fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. It is your post-Monday celebration. Greatest day of the entire week on a Tuesday. Today, let's just carpe diem all over this place. Maybe you already have. And you're trying to clean up the mess because of how awesome you've been all day long. In which case, I applaud you, my friends. Welcome into the program. This is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you may watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. So much to talk about and so little time to do it, as always. Bottom of this hour, special treat for you today, U.S. Senator Roger Marshall will be joining us from the great state of Kansas. It's been a while since we've had him on the program. We'll talk about what the latest is out of Washington, D.C., and we have a lot to try and cram in with our segment today as we have the speakership issue, which we'll touch on briefly. Obviously not a big impact on him in the Senate, but is it holding up legislation in the Senate? We'll get the latest out of the Israeli and Palestinian issue. We'll talk about the federal budget, the continuing resolution, illegal border crossings, and so much more. So uh, we'll touch on all that in just a little bit. I have to, before, I have to talk about a person which I don't know why they're still in the news. You would think after a while you would just disappear. When you're not popular, you realize nobody really cares for you. You realize that no one really likes you. And no, I'm sorry, Joe Biden, I'm not talking about you, right? Come on, man. I know. Get a life. I'd I'd keep making fun of him. I'm sorry. It's not Joe Biden, although that is starting to slip now as well with the approval ratings on the way downward, man. It is like a ski slope down a mountain. You can see how quickly those poll ratings are going down for the Biden administration, especially when, you know, there's like an international crisis going on and he's walking the beach with his wife, having a grand old time, laying in the sun, hanging out, having a grand old time. I mean, I'm glad that he's able to. We're here trying to pay for just loaves of bread and watching the the entire world fall apart, and he's just having a grand old time. But I'm not talking about him for a minute. I am talking about someone who, for some reason, every time she thinks she has some popularity, she tries to get back into the limelight, and then the limelight disappears because the popularity goes down, and then she disappears again, and then everybody seems to like her again. And I just don't understand why. I don't feel no ways tired. Oh, yeah. I've come <laughs> too far from where I started from. Yeah. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So I love her accent, right? Such a great, authentic accent. She really fits in with the demographic she's trying to appeal to. At the time of the speech that she's giving it, but she was actually speaking and she was moderating for whatever reason, the Institute of Global Life and talking about different issues where there was one unruly individual that appeared and started questioning her, trying to call her out and saying, will you denounce these statements from Joe Biden about sending a hundred billion dollars overseas to Israel and Ukraine and South Korea and Vietnam or wherever the hell else we're going to send money to because why not just be involved internationally like we used to be and start a whole bunch of wars and conflicts because we're, for some reason, addicted to that kind of stuff. And will you denounce the warmongering of the Biden administration which she didn't like too much. By the hypocrisy I'm sorry, we've got of the, two more people I, I to hear from. I'm sorry. You, you have a the, chance. Well, the, I'm not sorry. The, the hip, you sit down. I, I know you're not sorry. That's people, the point. The hypocrisy of this talk. speech. 
the hypocrisy of the fact that Frank what, what do you have? Can you please, can you, is can you please make a statement about President Joe Biden's speech? This is a clearly is warmongering speech. President Joe Biden is calling for $100 billion of funding for Israel, Taiwan, and Ukraine, and we're supposed to just bundle these together and pretend like we're going to rush to World War III and we're all just going to let Hillary Rodham Clinton sit here. And, okay. I'm yes. sorry. You know, yes. this is not, what, what, this is not no, the way no, to have no, a conversation. That, I'm sorry. If you want my, to have a conversation... You're no, welcome to come you, talk to you me can, afterwards. You're you welcome to come talk to me afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure that how well that turned out. Uh, he didn't believe that either, too. What I have done is I have asked Hillary Rodham Clinton to denounce the president's openly warmongering, suicidal, idiotic speech. And I'll that's give what you I've my asked. answer. I will that's not what do I've that. Done. So that's the end of I, our conversation. Okay, but sir, I'll still meet you outside. But you're done. Right now. Whoa. Wow, very angry Hillary, man. She's not taking that stuff. I find that kind of hilarious because she is trying to position herself to run for president of the United States again. I know we can't have any new fresh blood out there. We have to go back to the same old, same old because we had Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and, well, that's about it. We don't really know who else. I mean, there's other Republican candidates, but right now, without the legal troubles kind of stepping in the way, is there really a chance for them to come up? I'm not saying one way or the other I agree with it. I'm just pure speculation right now with where Donald Trump's at on that field. So there it is, Hillary having her own problems and not liking the rabble-rousing. I think there are more people, the growing concern in this nation regarding our involvement in international issues. Now, that does that mean that we just close doors and just become an isolationist nation? No. But why are we, as we asked before, after the speech from the Biden administration last week, why are we spending $100 billion where like 10 of it's going to go to Israel, the majority of it's going to go to the Ukraine after all the money we've already sent to the Ukraine, and then the rest of it's going to go with the issue of Taiwan or Vietnam or uh, Korea or any of those other nations that we apparently want to support with concerns of China getting involved in that region as well. It's a real weird world today, for sure, and... It all comes down to apparently our involvement or lack of involvement to decide on how successful these operations may be. Speaking of, by the way, real quick, the ongoing conflict with uh, Israel and Hamas and the Gaza Strip right now, that some of the prisoners that were released, the hostages that were let go just a couple of days ago when Hamas was like, hey, can you send us some oil and resources, please, and we'll let more people go. A couple of them were apparently Americans. And they are speaking out now about their treatment and said they went through, quote unquote, hell, as there are tunnels all over the area that they were being dragged through, that they were beaten. Uh, one of them, a 70 year old woman who was in a wheelchair, was taken through the streets of Gaza with these Hamas terrorists and beaten to a pulp and finally released because, well, she probably doesn't have as much value to them as the others. Now, her husband apparently is still with the terrorists, but talking about the terrible situation and living standards that they were in, given ridiculous kinds of food to eat and said that they should be appreciative of what the Hamas terrorists are giving them while they hold these individuals hostage. We have to remind that these are evil human beings. And while we're not trying to shame the entire community of the Muslim community or Islam at all in general, we have to be careful of that in today's times. Because we love everybody, you can believe whatever the hell you want to, as long as you do not infringe upon somebody else's beliefs. And these uh, that have taken it to a radical sense, 
those that have become the extremists, those that believe that you either get on board with what we believe or else you are an infidel and we will kill you, they are in the wrong. They are pure evil, and what they're doing in this area is absolutely uncalled for and absolutely not okay. That being said, I do have the question on why it's taking so long for us to respond to this and just eliminate this terrorist organization. I get that they're somewhat of a structured government, but they're not a very good structured government. Why are we taking so long? Israel did great as they started off their excursion into Gaza, and now they're still delaying their ground troops from actually going in. I don't understand why. We have the American military that's sitting there ready to go as well, and yet they're prepared, according to the headlines, they are prepared to do a mass evacuation of Americans out of the area if necessary, but they're not doing it. What more do we have to wait for? More than 1,500 people have died in this thing. And Americans have been taken hostage. Americans have died. Americans are still stuck there, along with our strong ally of Israel. What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for them to blow more stuff up? Come on, man. Like, let's do this. Let's get them out. Let's eliminate the enemy. Let's be done with this. We don't want this to be drug out into a full-out war that could tie into a World War III or a, a, an international issue that is turning out to be, which shows one of two things. Either... Uh, they're stronger than what they appear to be because they appear to be right now a not very strong entity that's desperate for oil and energy just to keep things going with them trying to create the resources they need for the ongoing uh, war that's that's happening. Or we have warmongers and the industrial, the military industrial complex that's really just wanting to drag this out because we haven't been involved there in a while. And Donald Trump, remember Donald Trump, that guy, he's the one that ended up pulling us out uh, and did not get us involved in any other conflicts that they didn't like because apparently, the if you want to look at it, the military-industrial complex was losing money. That's right. Donald Trump did that. So that being said, that's kind of interesting. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, there is, or the last few days, I guess, Karine Jean-Pierre, the spokesperson for the White House administration, is desperate to keep going with the Democrat talking points. And she doesn't really answer a whole lot anyways at all. In fact, she just kind of puts on her blinders and repeats whatever's in her binder, and then she just blows off the conservatives that are in there for the media because they don't like to answer any questions. But the Democrats have a major imaging problem, as we said before, and it's only getting worse with the latest uh, press conference that she held, was this yesterday? And didn't like to answer the question about the rise in anti-Semitism in this nation because, again, you can't focus solely on the attacks and the hate of the Jewish community at all. You have to focus on all hate speech because you can't single them out and say that they're sole the victims what here. What is his level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel? So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen... Uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats, uh, and so I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks, and certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And so uh, one of the things that the president has done is directed his team, uh, uh, Homeland Security team, to prioritize prevention uh, and disruption of any emerging threats that could harm the Jewish, the Muslim, uh, Arab Americans, or, or any other communities. That head tip to Fox News on that audio clip. You can't say it. Is there a rise in anti-Semitism? Well, there, 
a little bit, but right now there's a disproportionate amount of hate crimes towards the Muslim community because the Muslim community is always the big victim here. The Islamophobia that goes on from the right side of the aisle. Those MAGA Republicans that hate the Muslim community. When, again, I, I haven't seen any. If you If this was happening... Wouldn't the media be covering it all over the place? Muslim family stabbed here. Muslim family attacked over here. Muslim individual attacked on the street over here by people wearing red hats. Like, this would be a replay of, what was the actor that uh, was like in the middle of Chicago in the middle of the night where he got going to a subway at 1 o'clock in the morning, got attacked by MAGA people that found out to not be true at all? Yeah, uh, you would think that we would be hearing more stories like that. We're not. This whole situation reminds me of anybody who, like, read the Harry Potter books or watch Harry Potter movies. He who must not be named. Say the name! No, we can't say it. He's who must not be named. It's Voldemort! <gasps> How dare you? You can't say a word like that. Remember Ted Cruz a few years ago after 9-11 and while we're trying to deal with Islamofascism, literally the idea of the radicals, again, not the entire religion, not the entire belief. In fact, it's very a small portion of the belief, but the radical Islamic terrorism. Remember that word? Ted Cruz tried to get the Democrats to say, say the word with me. Radical Islamic terrorism does not mean that every Islam follower, that every Muslim is a terrorist, that everybody believes that. But the ones that are radicalized, anybody can be radicalized with an ideology. I mean, hell, look at the Democrat Party right now. Anybody can be radicalized through a brainwashing system. There are obviously those that are saying we're going to destroy anybody that does not believe in our beliefs. Say, radical Islamic terrorism. They couldn't say it. Is there anti-Semitism going on? Well, there's a lot more hate going on against the Muslim community. Bunch of radicals. How dare you? You can't say it, man. Can't say it. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. I don't want to focus all the time on Israel and Gaza. You've heard a lot about that throughout the day. The military operations are ongoing. I would just like to reiterate that while a vast number of Americans, myself included, a vast number of younger generations that don't want us to be military, militarily involved in like every conflict around the world because we have enough problems here on the home front that while I understand needing to support our allies, which is why we need to support Israel right now, we need to get Americans out of there, we don't need to wait around and just sit there and wait for the conflict to be ongoing. We need to do it now. End it. Cut the head off the snake. Be done with it. We don't need to drag this out. And right now, it seems like, like usual, that there's an opportunity here. Don't let a crisis go to waste, right? That we see the globalists, the elites, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, taking advantage of this situation now. And instead of just being done with it and ending it, we're now seeing this drag on just a little bit more to see how far this can go. When the when the Biden administration openly comes out and says that we need to give resources to the Palestinians, but only if it can get into the hands of the Palestinians because Hamas may take it, my first question is, and we can't figure out how to get those resources to them without Hamas hijacking them? We have a bunch of terrorists that are still in the Stone Age, essentially, that are going to overrun our U.S. military and try and steal all the resources that we're giving as humanitarian relief? Doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, we got to be careful on how this plays out because I'm sensing 
that there's some dirtiness at play right now. And that dirtiness is a new conflict that's going to make a lot of people a lot of money the longer this continues to drag out. That being said, I want to shift gears real quick and go into the latest in what's trending. What's trending today? So there was back on the home front here, by the way. Welcome back to Welcome to America. Back on the home front with some of the conversations going on in, in Washington, D.C. and across the nation. There are now 42 attorneys general across the nation, different states, that are now suing the company of Meta and Facebook. Why? Because they say that they have created Instagram and Facebook to be too uh, addictive with some of the algorithms and some of the features on the social media sites for children and teenagers. Oh, yes. Yes, too addictive for them. Can't be. (laughs) Okay. That, uh, well, all right. Now, I will tell you, my daughter is not addicted to Instagram or Facebook. Why? Because I have not allowed her to create an Instagram or Facebook account at the age of nine years old. So she doesn't have those addictive behaviors because she's not allowed on them. And while I understand what the attorneys general are trying to do across the nation and trying to stop uh, these uh, social media sites from becoming so addictive that we're stuck on them all the time, and we have certain addictive behaviors and it, it, it feeds into certain parts of your brain to where you want more of it, I get it. At the same time, where's the where's where's the parents fall into this? Where do the parents fall into cheat your children? Hey, you don't need to join these social media sites, especially at a such a young age. And when you do join them and you do get online more so, then here's the line and we have to prepare you. We have to set the foundation for you here that when you get online, there are going to be a lot of ads. There's going to be a lot of chats. There's going to be a lot of conversation that you don't need to see. You're going to be prepared for this stuff so that way you can ignore it. You're not going to be sucked into this kind of thing. People that just like your photo on Instagram are not your friends, and they are not going to be there if your tire goes flat on the side of the road. They're not there to care for you. And when you do that and you put it into perspective, then the kids are more prepared when they get on there and actually do start chatting. Uh, But right now, my daughter's not addicted to it. What a wild concept. This is up to the parents. This isn't up to the government. Because what this sounds like to me is that this is turning to kind of be like the new sex education that we saw. Let the government handle it. Let the public education system handle that one. We'll just teach it at a younger age. So when they do start having it, then the government's already prepared. The school, the public school, will teach them how to do this properly and what really goes on here. Because I don't want to have that conversation. So government, you do it for me. I don't want to do it as the parent kind of what it sounds like here as they continue to talk about banning tiktok are we going to ban facebook and social media let's just ban all of it show of hands anybody want to ban all social media because i'm totally down with that one u.s senator roger marshall around the corner stay here this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we do here on this program. Multiple radio stations all over the place, plus TV, live streaming, podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening. Always a pleasure to have you along with us. Your Patriot on the Prairie trying to bring you some new discussion in talk radio. So welcome into it. Uh, We've had a lot to talk about, obviously, the issue going on with Gaza and the Israelis and with this new bill. Uh, We'll get to all that here in just a minute, but I do want to shift gears a little bit and maybe even touch on some of these as well with our next guest here on the program. 
What's trending today? Happy to have back on the program with us here. He's my senator from the great state of Kansas. It's U.S. Senator Roger Marshall with us here. Senator, how are you, my friend? Andy, it's great to be back with you. We got a bunch of good topics to talk about today. Things are hopping up here in D.C. Yeah, things are hopping in D.C., not necessarily in the most prog- uh, progressive way, if we want to call it that, but at least you guys are working hard. I have to ask you, first and foremost, we've been talking a lot about these updates out of Israel and our involvement over there, this new uh, request of funding from the Biden administration last week for like $100 billion where we you know, throw some pennies over to Israel and give the rest to the Ukraine. I, I don't quite understand the mindset here, but can you fill us in? What's the latest that we're hearing, and where are we with this situation? Well, Andy, uh, as usual, the president's legislation is dead on arrival. Um, where, where do we start? There's funding in it that actually makes the border less secure. <laughs> he has funding that's going to actually uh, make it more e- make it easier for people to ask for asylum and get processed as well. Uh, there's there's funding in there to to give to Hamas uh, so-called aid as well, but mostly just the problem to me is that he lumps them all together. I don't know about you, but since my earliest beginnings, my mom, my Sunday school top school teachers taught me to support Israel. I think it's the right thing to do. We were raised on our Judeo-Christian values um, that we should stand with Israel, and there is such a big difference between what's going on in Israel versus Ukraine. Ukraine is a seven, nine, ten-year war. America will spend, you can count it, a trillion dollars uh, over the next decade going forward and probably uh, still with the same, same situation and, and tens of thousands of lives will die. Meanwhile, in Israel, we all saw this brutal, savage attack by this uh, Hamas army of terror. And what we have there is a battle, a war between the people of Israel and Hamas. And this isn't a, a battle just for Israel, but this is a battle for the future of humankind. And that's why Americans care about the war, the situation there in Israel, but conflict uh, and disagreement on what's going on in Ukraine. Yeah, Senator, I got to be honest, I've been really shocked and surprised at the amount of people that have come out and have called this conflict over in Israel as the genocide of the Palestinians. And they're trying to side with the Palestinians. We see it on college campuses. We see it in the streets of New York City. And I get it. I mean, there are women and children in the Gaza Strip that are victims. We have to acknowledge that. We acknowledge that. We see that because Hamas has been using them as the frontline shields against the Israeli soldiers to, to try and use that as protection because that's how evil these individuals are, but uh, apparently we have amnesia and we forgot about the actual attack that happened just over two weeks ago when it was Hamas that ended up attacking Israelis. They took hundreds of different hostages. They slaughtered individuals at a rave in different parties. Like, what are we missing here? Right, Andy. Um, I mean, the the atrocities of war are, are photos, are pictures that we'll, we will never forget. But again, the blood of every person since October 7th, the blood of every person belongs on the hands of Hamas and Iran. Uh, they're the ones that are putting weapons in schools. They're putting weapons in hospitals. They're bombing their own hospitals and trying to, to win this messaging war and blame it on the Israelites. But, but to your point, again, this is not a war on Palestinians. This is a war on the, on the, arm, the terror army of Hamas. Yeah. Uh, even the people there in Palestine would disown Hamas, that they're not very popular either. Uh, so this is a war between this this terror of this army of terror and the people of Israel. But it's for the sake of not only Israel but the entire entire world, for the fa- sake of this future world that we need to teach terrorists what happens when they do that when they have these savage attacks. 
Yeah, amen to that. Well, it's it's going to be hopefully resolved relatively soon, and our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody there. Let's bring it to the home front here, and let's talk about our southern border for a moment, because before this even happened, we've seen tons of migrants coming flooding through our southern border. We have caught many terrorists that were on the terrorist watch list from the Middle East trying to come over our southern border, so who knows how many have actually come through that we didn't catch. But, Senator, what's the total number that we've seen now under the Biden administration? Because they think that everything's <laughs> hunky-dory right now. Yeah, Andy. Well, of course, there's 8 million people that have crossed our border illegally under Joe Biden. 8 million people, that's almost three times the population of Kansas. And I'm not sure if you and your listeners saw this number leaked from the Border Patrol, but over the past two years, 60,000 people of interest is what they call them from the Middle East, from Afghanistan and Turkey and Iran and Syria, 60,000. And on top of that, throw in another 20,000 Chinese nationalists. So when people ask me, are you concerned uh, about Ukraine, i got to step there and say, well, look, I'm much more concerned about my own southern border and what 80,000 uh, people could do as terrorists in our own nation. That's what I'm concerned about, amongst other things. Yeah. Uh, is there, I know just before, actually the week before the attack on Israel, there was the announcement from the Biden administration that they wanted to build like 20 miles of a wall after saying they wouldn't build a wall at the southern border. Is that actually going to happen? Was the Biden administration true, saying that they wanted to try and lock down the border? Say what? Well, Joe, and I don't know sure what Joe Biden really wants to do with that. But what I can tell you in this most recent package, this $105 billion package, there's no funding for border wall. But there is funding so that people can go through the asylum process easier and more efficient. So my last trip to the border, I sat there and watched our border patrol on a radio talk to the cartel and say, well, we got this group processed, now bring us over another couple hundred. And they had their smart app and all that. So the president, Joe Biden's priorities are to make the asylum process easier. Uh, so it, so the funding he has here actually makes the situation worse rather than better. That's why I am engaged, uh, and, and, and John Thune is, is leading us over on our side, that there needs to be a policy change. That, yeah. the, that that's what the Border Patrol officers want, some type of a policy change. Remain in Mexico. No more catch and release. Uh, let's raise the bar for asylum. Some simple policy changes could uh, could impact the situation tomorrow and turn off this old Joe Biden electromagnet that's going on down on that southern border. It's wild. If you just widen the door even higher and just create an app, then all of a sudden they're not illegals. They're just coming in legally and we will totally take care of them, even to the point where New York City says they don't want them any longer, right? Yeah, that, that's it. Um, you know, Kansas, we're all overwhelmed with them. And, then, you know, the great tragedy, and this is why I don't know how Joe Biden can sleep, is we're losing 300 Americans every day from fentanyl poisoning. Yeah. Um, you know, 70,000 people in just in the in recent months. So it, that's the tragedy. Just And I'm not talking about human trafficking yet. Um, it, it is truly a humanitarian crisis on our own southern border. It is. I know you've been leading that charge in D.C. regarding the fentanyl issue, so hopefully we can see some ground made on that one as well. We're talking with U.S. Senator Roger Marshall from here in the state of Kansas. My senator, let's talk about the budget for a second. Obviously, this $100 billion bill that's being proposed by the Biden administration is on top of our continuing resolution that we have for at least just a couple more weeks right now. Uh, not seeing a whole lot of changes, obviously, because of what's going on in the House, and we can talk about that in just a minute. But with this continuing resolution and the proposed budget that was on the table before for the next year, we're seeing 
massive amounts of new money. We're talking $2 trillion. The level of spending that we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic when we shut down the nation and told everybody to stay at home because you're non-essential, that would essentially be our new norm of spending in this nation. What can we do about this out-of-control spending, Senator? Well, we need to go back to what we call regular order, a normal budgeting process. Uh, To your point, we're going to spend $700 billion this year on interest alone. Guess what interest rates are going? They're going up. We'll spend $800 billion this year. That's, that's almost as much as we're spending on the military. What, what I'm always shocked about is finding out the reasons behind why things happen up here. I'm, I'm a relatively newbie up here, but Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden want these omnibuses. If it's a big omnibus, they can, they can determine what's in it and what's not. And then no one has to defend their bill versus we put all 12 of the appropriations bills one at a time on the Senate floor, on the House floor, then we get to sit there and debate them. And we can point out the bridges to nowhere, and people would be so embarrassed about some of the funding in here that they couldn't go back home. So what can be done about it is just obey our current law. The Budget Act of 1974 clearly shows what we're supposed to do, but they have found workarounds. I'm working with Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, some other folks, uh, Rick Scott, on, on trying to shore that up and put some teeth to it when we don't follow that budget act and we don't follow regular order, then let's punish the president, let's punish the appropriators one way or another. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Holding them accountable, actually having a proper 12 appropriation bill, a proper federal budget, which we haven't seen since before the Obama administration, is kind of a sad ordeal. Uh, Real quickly, in just about a minute or so left here before we're going to let you go, how does that tie into the farm bill conversation as well? I know that you're really in tied with that conversation, but obviously that's being delayed with this process too, isn't it? You know, absolutely, Andy. So, um, you know, a, a farm bill, what's really tying it down is, is interest rates and the cost of groceries. A, a farm bill is about 70, 80 percent food programs. We had budgeted $60 billion a year for food stamps. We're spending $180 billion a year for food stamps right now. Again, this expansion of these COVID rules, we have too many people on food stamps. And and unlike you, I want everyone, I don't want anyone to go to bed hungry tonight. I want to make sure the people that need the help get it. But we've tripled our uh, our food stamp budget uh, in the last three years under Joe Biden. Uh, So that's really holding it up as much as anything. And and really, when you sit there and you spend $700 billion on interest, there seems to be no money left to give the troops a raise, let alone take care of a farm bill. And there's just no appetite. This, This administration has declared war on American energy and American agriculture the day they got in there. They think agriculture is bad, uh, and you're just not going to get any love from them. So they don't care about getting a farm bill passed one way or the other. we got a lot of work to do, my friend, and you guys are rocking it up there. <laughs> Keep up this fight. I know it's hard because yeah. it seems like you're banging your head against the watch. U.S. Senator Roger Marshall, we're out of time, my friend. But keep up that fight. Let's get to you back on the program again real soon. Thanks, Danny. Thanks so much. Yeah, I've got knots on my head right now from banging it against the wall during this conversation. I know. You nailed it. I love it, Take Senator. Care. I appreciate it very much. Lots more coming up. Stay here. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes here of the program. Thanks again to U.S. Senator Roger Marshall on the program. Always great to chat with him. What a great fighter in Washington, D.C. We have so much more I want to talk to him about. Obviously didn't get an opportunity to do so, so we'll get him back on 
again soon. But, uh, man, it is. I, I can only imagine him being just a few votes shy, a few seats shy in the Senate to actually be productive and get something done in the Senate banging your head against the wall, as he said, going out of that break, that uh, he's got the welts on his forehead with how, how how much he struggles to try and actually get something productive done in the Senate. Then we have just the stagnation of Congress because of what's going on in the House of Representatives, which we have to give an update on right now, which I think this is our theme for this topic. I don't want to play anymore, you guys. <laughs> so right now, if you have not heard, here's the latest breaking news on this one. What's trending today? I have a new theory on this, too. I really think that we should just go without a Speaker of the House for a while. Why not? Like, let's just keep this going. Why not? We're already there, and this is going to be going on, I think, for a while, because conservatives realize that they're not going to budge on issues because that could look very bad for the whole reason that they started this movement. Uh, moderate Republicans are so stubborn, well, at least stubborn against their own party, that they're willing to destroy the Republican Party by going further to the right than they are to just cower and cave and just give up to Democrats and concede to Democrats like they do on well, every major issue that's out there. So we have the moderate Republicans that are not acting as Republicans and working more with Democrats. We have the conservatives trying to actually do something productive in Washington, D.C., and nothing's going to get changed. Nothing's going to change. So earlier today, the Republican caucus went back again and voted to nominate a new candidate for speaker again to try and get them on the House floor again. And that individual that was nominated was Tom Emmer from the state of Minnesota. Now, we mentioned this last week as his name was one of the potential candidates that was floating out there, that he is a very moderate individual. He is a very much establishment individual. And he's honestly worse than Kevin McCarthy when it comes to trying to play the middle of the road and be the nice quasi-rhino Republican establishment type of individual. He's done that for a very long time. Not to say that he's bad, but even Kevin McCarthy was saying that he's one that's been up there for a long time. He knows how to play all the different sides. He knows how to work with the other side. He knows how to do this. He's an establishment candidate. And they voted on him. I don't know the number behind the scenes, but they voted on him. According to the headlines, they voted on him about an hour and a half ago from when this program actually aired. About 40 minutes after that, right before we go on the program, we see a tweet from Jake Sherman from NBC and MSNBC News with the tweet just about an hour ago saying, breaking Tom Emmer has dropped out of the race for speaker. So uh, he was the one that was voted on to be the nominee, potentially taking it to the floor for a vote with potential concerns about him not getting enough votes because the conservatives probably or shouldn't vote for him. And now he drops out knowing he doesn't have those votes. So now we're back to... We've nominated three. Three have been shot down. What do we do about this? Now we don't have any nominations all over again. There has been conversation about Patrick McHenry expanding his power to be temporary Speaker of the House, and he doesn't want it to the point that he says that if they do try to expand his power to the end of the year so we can deal with, I don't know, federal budget issues or the Israeli issue or whatever else we have to deal with right now is an immediate issue, that if they expand his power and keep him as speaker until the end of the year, that he would resign. <laughs> so maybe that's his message of, hey, we better get our act together because we actually need a speaker of the House, but he doesn't want it. And if they try to expand his power, he would step away and then we would be without even a pro tem speaker until we actually nominate somebody. So back to the drawing board we go. 
and I reiterate, as I have so many times over the past week, week and a half, two weeks that we've had this conversation, it is time for the moderate Republicans, the rhinos, the hack middle-of-the-road wishy-washy establishment to concede and to go along with moving the party further to the conservative side, which is what the American voters, the Republican registered Republican voters want, is to have a conservative that's going to fight for something. But it's not happening because of a few stranglers, about 20 of them, led by uh, Congresswoman Granger. Don't remember what state she's from. Doesn't really matter. Because she is all about the establishment wishy-washy concede on especially federal budget issues to give Democrats and big spending Republicans what they want in their federal budgets, which is why she fought so hard against Jim Jordan, where Jim Jordan was the one that said we're going to really start taking a serious look at spending habits, not only in discretionary funding, but also on mandatory funding projects. And she didn't like that. And she's the one that ended up whipping about 20 Republicans to vote against Jim Jordan. She wants the big government spending. She wants the go-along, get-along. She wants the $2 trillion increase in government spending right now. And that's what we're up against. So as frustrating as this may be, conservatives, hold on, my friends. Keep fighting. Don't concede. And let's see where this goes. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow.